Welcome back, everybody. This is your host, Todd Sylvester, with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks, and my good friend, Drew Peterson. Thank you for believing in me. And I'd like to thank the listeners. Thank you for tuning in week after week. And we have just grown leaps and bounds. And I want to thank you because it wouldn't be possible without you. But I also would like to thank all my guests. I mean, I've had some amazing people on and because of their amazing stories and their inspiration and their leadership and their vulnerability, it's truly uh, made this podcast um, trending. And uh, I'm just grateful for that. And today's going to be no different. We have another amazing person on today. His name's AJ Hunt. AJ, thanks for joining us today. Of course. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. A little background on AJ. He grew up in Washington State. He moved to Utah in 2011 to attend BYU. He now currently lives in uh, Arizona. Is it Phoenix? Gilbert. So right Gilbert. outside Phoenix. Just, just a little outside Phoenix. And uh, he, uh, <laughs> he calls himself a regular guy. He has a very empowering message of hope. And you guys are going to be blown away by his story. Um, he was paralyzed in a car accident back in 2014. Um, he had thoughts of suicide, not wanting wanting to live, but he's now kind of, he's moved through that and he's emerged through with a new perspective of hope and peace. And I love that you say that we are not our circumstances. And I want to get more into detail into that. Um, he works as a contracted media buyer, helping his clients grow their uh, e-commerce business. And uh, he's just got an amazing story. He just did a promotion with this amazing video um, which reached over 100,000 people across the United States. We'll talk more about uh, that as well. And anyway, AJ is just an amazing man, and uh, he's going to touch your hearts today. So, AJ, again, thanks for being here. Thanks, Todd. So why don't you tell us, where did you, you know, you obviously grew up in Washington State. Tell us a little bit about your family life. So my family is awesome. I have no complaints about my family, but my um my parents are awesome. I'm the oldest of four boys. So, um, okay. uh, that was, uh, always a good time growing up, <laughs> lots to do always. And, uh, I, I don't know that I, I was kind of a jerk as an older brother, to be honest. Uh, and oh, I yeah? learned a lot of, about that, you know, um, I'm a lot closer with my brothers now than, than I was growing up, but, um, but so yeah, my parents are awesome. They were always super loving and supporting, uh, they had us participate in lots of things. So I, uh, you know, I tried all the sports and a few instruments. One that I really uh, latched onto was piano. So I, okay. I studied piano from the time I was like seven or eight until I graduated high school and I competed. And that was sort of my thing. Wow. And uh, so I would practice two or three hours a day through, through my teenage years and then compete a few times a year. And so uh, I, I think the main thing about my childhood is that it all kind of made sense. You know, there was, there yeah. wasn't anything, uh, it was, there wasn't anything traumatic about my childhood or really very difficult. And it seemed like if you do the right things, then you get the good stuff. Right. And right. sort of like a simple life with maybe you're not, you know, basking in, in opulence and a bunch of wealth but you're not starving things are good you can go on vacations i mean it's like it was pretty chill yeah and i also learned that i 
I felt like if I worked hard, I could accomplish anything. And I got that from piano. Um, I knew, you know, I learned that if I, if I lost a piano, it was probably because I didn't work hard enough. It wasn't because there was something intrinsic about me that was not as good as, as the other pianists. It was just like, all right, put in more time. And I got into bodybuilding in, in high school as well. And okay. it was sort of the same deal. It's like the more time you put in, the more you fuel your body well, the more you can look like you want. And so it's this mindset very much of the more I do, the more I get and not trying to blame other people. Right. And that really set the stage for, for a lot of stuff later in life in a good way and a bad way. Um, because as we'll find out, as we've all found out that there are some things that you just can't change. Sure. And, well, and so, you know, you know, being a piano player, let's talk about that just for a minute. What, Talk about the discipline it takes to do that. Cause especially on the level you said you were competing, I can imagine that taught you some very valuable lessons, just, you know, that maybe a lot of people like myself don't appreciate. I mean, I can't, I can't walk up to a piano and do anything other than maybe chopsticks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But talk well, about it's, that. it's hard. It's, it's not an easy skill, obviously. Um, I, I remember, Actually, I don't remember. I've been told by my mom when I was, you know, eight or nine and learning to do both hands out at one time was a big struggle for me. And so for, from my mom would actually sit there with me and make me practice for like, you know, 30 minutes a day or whatever. And right. I'd sit at the piano and cry and I probably hated her for it. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you, you get through it. Right. And, and so I think the biggest lesson from piano is like you can have, you can get, you know, by the time I was, I was 16, 17, 18, the music, the sheet music that I would look at, it was like my grandma used to look at it and be like, there's more black than white on the page. Cause there's so many notes and like so much going on. And yeah. that can be sort of overwhelming yeah. to look at it. And, but I knew that, okay, I mean, maybe I can't play it now, but in seven months, three hours a day, like I will be able to that being able to break it down and think about things in that process uh, served me well in a lot of areas. Yeah. Right on. So you also mentioned, um, well, you know, in the studying that I've done on you, that you grew up in a household that was, you know, a faithful household. You guys were, you know, obviously a church going family. Talk about how that played a role in, you know, in your life. Yeah, and I, I don't know how I forgot to say that just a second ago. That was, I mean, so yeah, my parents, we were, we're all, we grew up faithful members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and my dad and mom are, um, I mean, that was, it's it's hard to overstate the importance of that in, in my childhood. Um, it was going to church every Sunday, praying in morning at you know, in, in the morning and evening, we're reading scriptures together, praying over meals. Um, yeah, I mean, just everything was focused around church activity and right. Um, and it was it, it, it's an awesome community. Uh, so so many supportive neighbors. The part that I grew up in Washington is sort of like a pocket of LDS members, and so. In Washington, in general, there aren't, there aren't that many, but in uh, where I grew up, it's it's maybe ten percent LDS, and so there were lots lots of members, lots of friends that I had in the church, um, and 
a big focus on service in, in my home. Lots of, in the church, we, we have callings where we volunteer. As I'm sure lots of your audience knows that, but, um, and that was a big part. My dad was a bishop when I was a kid. And so he was always busy with that. My mom would have Relief Society and the yeah. women's things. And um, so it was just a part of life. You pay tithing. Um, you don't really think about it. You just, you serve, you give. And that became a big part of my identity as well. It's like, I'm somebody who helps people. Right. And I found a lot of meaning through that. Oh, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Well, you know, I know there's a lot we could talk about your childhood, but I, I want to just jump ahead here a little bit. And, you know, you were in an accident back in 2014 that left you paralyzed. And I want to, I want to set the stage before I want you to share that story and kind of, you know, just give us all the details on that. But you mentioned, um, you know, again, in the studying that I've done on you, AJ, <laughs> Uh, you said this, you said, I spent, I spent time trying to find purpose for my life outside of who I am, which made living very difficult. And I think that's an important message because I think a lot of us get stuck in that. We get, we're trying to find all this purpose in life, but it, it goes against who we really are, so to speak. Right. And so to set the stage, I know that's something that you have figured out through this whole process. And so why don't you let, let us know and our listeners know kind of what happened to you and what happened back in 2014, and then just share that story with us. Yeah, definitely. So I, um, I did summer sales the summer. So I served a mission for, the, for, for my church, went to Nicaragua, got back in late 2013, and uh, went back to, to school at BYU the January following, so January of 2014. And as many return missionaries do at BYU, they meet somebody who says, hey, I have an opportunity for you to make a bunch of money this summer, knocking doors. <laughs> right. And so I was like, sweet, that sounds good. Um, so I spent the summer in New York and California selling solar panels door to door and had a great time. It's very fun. Um, and then on our way back to BYU from the Bay Area, my buddy who was driving the car, this little Corolla, um, it, it was sort of like dusk in the middle of Nevada. And he just spaced out, maybe started dozing off a little bit and realized that he was coming out really fast on, uh, on the car in front of us, realized too late and swerved, um, and then overcorrected, slammed on the brakes. We spun out, went off the road and flipped a couple of times. And uh, when the dust settled, we were all awake and nobody seemed to be dead, which was good. Right. And um, the dust settled and my two buddies, I, I was sitting in the back seat, but my two buddies were in the front seats. They got out of the car to look at the damage. And uh, I reached to open the door and my arms didn't move. Oh, and wow. When the the car had flipped, I'd felt my neck sort of crack. I don't know if you've ever broken a bone, yeah. but you can sort of like hear it internally. You kind of like yeah. feel like, you know, and I had felt that. Um, and so I knew something had happened and then when my arm didn't move and I looked over and it was in kind of a weird position above my head. And I realized it didn't feel like it was in a weird position above my head. And so it sort of hit me that, okay, this is serious. Right. Yeah. And realized I couldn't, couldn't move my legs at all. Um, so, and it was hard to breathe as well because my diaphragm was affected. So realized that I needed help quickly. So 
we got um, my buddy called 911 and we got the EMTs out there. Um, and uh, so through a life flight and uh, an ambulance drive, eventually I ended up back at the U of U hospital. They have a great spinal cord rehab program there. Yeah. And um, when the surgery where they, they re or they fused my spine, actually three or four of vertebrae uh, in my neck. And I did a rehab there for a couple months. And it's really interesting, Todd, because so I had just spent two years in Nicaragua telling people that difficult things were, they have a purpose. And right. people in Nicaragua are generally very poor. It's one of the poorest countries in the world. And they face a lot of physical hardship every day. And so it's coming from such an easy background. It's, it's strange for me looking back now that I, I was so confident in telling these people that, you know, you, your suffering has a purpose and like, there's a reason for this. Cause I hadn't, I had never suffered. <laughs> like, let's just be honest. I had never, right. not, not physically at least. And, um, and so when I got injured, it was actually a pretty peaceful experience because I, uh, I was like, all right, it's my turn and let's, let's do this. Um, really? That, that was but, interesting. What you just said there, you said you felt this, you felt peaceful. Yeah. Which is weird to say. I yeah. Um, but I mean, sitting there in the back of the car, newly paralyzed, um, it really felt like, all right, it's my turn to like show what I have, I guess. Or wow. uh, it's, it's, it's another, it's, it's a challenge that, that I'm going to overcome. And at that time, I, I think I probably uh, imagined overcoming it as walking again. Or, right. Uh, not being paralyzed anymore but it was you know all those stories you read about like i told the doctors that yeah like they told me i wasn't gonna walk and then i did it's like all right that's gonna be me so right. maybe at the time I, I thought it was that but it was it was peaceful and i had some really interesting spiritual conversations with the emts um prayed with them and and stuff about my beliefs about the afterlife and the meaning of difficulties in life and things that were maybe probably not their normal experience. Sure. Um, and, and then in the hospital as well. So, you know, I had this, this need to serve people and I broke a bone, but it was, it wasn't actually that bad of an injury. It was just, I broke the wrong bone. <laughs> and so it right. paralyzed me, yeah. but I was on a floor with people who, who had these gnarly, gnarly, uh, accidents where they were, you know, they couldn't read or speak anymore, or, or they had broken every bone in their face, or they had like just terrible things. And I was able to, because I was pretty much just living in the hospital. Uh, I was able to actually go out and serve the people on my floor and meet friends. And oh, wow. um, so I would spend a lot of time just going into random hospital rooms and being like, Hey, I'm AJ. Like, what's your story? You know, and like trying to, well, just let, people. can I stop you just for a second here? Cause I'm a little blown away here for, uh, at this. I mean, here you are, it happens to you. You felt this peace. You had some spiritual experiences, which were fantastic. I'm sure. But you had like, Hey, I'm going to do this. Uh, this is my turn and I'm going to, I'm going to overcome this. And, 
And here you are in the hospital, reaching out to other people who are hurting, trying to find out what their story is. I mean, did you have, was there a moment though, where you felt like, man, this isn't fair? Or did you feel depressed? I mean, what, I'm just a little blown away by this, uh, what you're saying right now. Um, yes, I, there were moments when I was, when it felt more overwhelming and I'm feeling a little bit of emotion. So I might, I might have to okay. uh, take a, take a swallow. But, um, like I remember the first time I saw myself in the power chair and, um, that was, that was hard when it, it was like, you know, that can't be me, <laughs> right. but, uh, it was, it was just kind of natural for me to, to seek, I guess, solace in helping other people. And uh, I didn't really think about it. It just made me feel good. And in that, in that kind of sense, it was a little bit self-serving, but I did like, uh, you know, I, I felt a lot of peace of getting out of my own head and helping other people and feeling like I could do something for them. And so it was just kind of natural. Wow. That's impressive. Uh, you know, maybe a lot that a lot of that has to do with your upbringing, right? You know, faithful household that you lived in, and just kind of your perspective on life and that kind of thing. I'm sure helped a lot as well. So you're there in the hospital to kind of maybe you know pick up from there. You're you're going around trying to you know console people and help them, and obviously draw strength from them as well. Yeah, and so I was there for a couple of months, and then uh, after the hospital. I moved in with my grandparents who live not too far away in, in Salt Lake City. And um, <clears throat> my mom moved in with us as well. So she was like my primary caretaker. And then I had a, a couple aides who would do some of the more like technical things for a while. And um, so during that time is, is when it became a little more difficult. So over that year, when I, I was living with my grandparents, I started to realize that I, I probably wasn't going to walk again, probably wasn't going to happen. When I heard about these miraculous stories of people gaining movement back in their legs and things, it, it was usually pretty early on that they saw signs at least, you know, they were able right. to kick a leg out or like they were able to, you know, take a step in the first year or something where it made sense. And I wasn't getting anything close to that. Um, and so I started to question like, man, is this all actually is the, the system that I thought I understood of do good and have good done to you? Does it actually work? Does it actually make sense? Yeah. And, um, and I, I just sort of lost my bearings and I held on for a long time, just like trying to push through. But I was slowly losing my, my, uh, I guess, spiritual identity of how I thought God worked and how I thought the universe worked, yeah. where it was like, okay, I'm trying everything and I'm doing everything that I thought I'm supposed to be doing, spiritually speaking, and I'm not getting any better. And it's like, I didn't sign up for this. Like, right. this doesn't feel like this is the first time when I had to face like, all right, this, you know, life is not fair and, and there's nothing that I can do to change it. It's not a piano competition where I can just practice more. Mm. It's, this is something that I cannot affect. 
And, but God can, right? God could do it. So why isn't he doing it? Cause I'm doing everything. Yeah. And that was a really hard adjustment to figure out what does this mean? Like I've been told that God loves me and it was, it's easy to believe that God loves you. If your parents are great and you, yeah. you have dinner every night and like you have money that you need. It's like, but as soon as there's something that seems like God could change this, if he wants to, then it's like, why doesn't he? And if, if my son were about to get in a car accident and paralyze him, I would, I would stop it if I could. Sure. And he didn't. So why not? And that was wow. really difficult. Yeah. And so that, that forced me to, to analyze what it, what I really believed and what, who, who I was on a deeper level than these sort of surface level, uh, um, sort of uh, 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 immature beliefs about how things were supposed to work. Right. Wow. You know, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier that, you know, Hey, if I do good things, good things are going to happen to me. And, you know, you're a, you're a good person, good doing, you know, pretty much good things. You're not trying to hurt anybody, you know? So in your mind, that's the kind of way God works. If I'm doing good, he's going to bless me. He's going to give me all these great things. Um, but then, you know, you have something like this that challenges every pro I would imagine this challenged every belief you've ever had, not just about God or religion, but just your whole life in general. And you mentioned it about what, what's, the, what's the purpose. And we talked about here earlier that when you try to live outside yourself, you know, you, you were, you got to that point where you didn't feel like you wanted to be alive. Yeah, exactly. And so as I lost hold of what I felt like was my, my spiritual foundation, which was actually pretty shaky, which I thought was stable. And at the same time, I'm losing my physical foundation because, uh, you know, my hands are paralyzed now. So I can't play piano like I used to. Uh, I can plunk things, but I can't play right. really. Yeah. And um, I can't, I can't exercise the same way anymore. I can't go for a run. I can't go backpacking if I want. Like I can't, yeah. there's so many things that are different. So it was like, who am I now? Who am I physically? And everything spiritually that I thought doesn't really fit the mold of, or the, the experience that I'm having now. And so I came to the conclusion that, well, it must all be wrong. And if that's the case, then there's no purpose to this, to me suffering this. And it's just sort of a logical thing. Like, do I want to suffer it or not? And a lot of the time, the answer to that question was no, I don't. And it, if there's no purpose anyway, um, I might as well end it. And it was, it was a depressing thought. I mean, I, I would tell my friends at the time, I felt like I figured it out because I would say, I, I viewed suicide as just a choice. It's just like, yeah, I'm either going to do it or I'm not. This morning, I'm not going to do it. I don't know about tomorrow. But I, I, I just like separated myself. And it's, it's funny because I felt like that was so empowering at the time. But, oh. And I would tell my friends like, hey, yeah, it's like the most motivational thing I can tell myself in the morning is 
why am I not going to kill myself today? And if I could find a reason, then, then I go throughout the day. And it, it was like, wow. but it was so like, just dark. Like I, I felt like I was dealing with it well, but looking back on it now, there was just no happiness in it, no fulfillment, no, um, it, it was empty. It was just so empty. And a few things happened um, that were able to bring me to this amazing re- realization that I had okay. um, that has changed my life forever going forward. One, so I started, I started reaching out to other, uh, to spiritual centers that I had never really investigated previously. One of them is this, uh, this guy named Thomas McConkie in Salt Lake. I know, I know. Oh, do you? Yeah, he's such a good guy. Um, I've actually sat down with him in person and and he's helped me as well. So um, awesome. glad you brought him up that uh, he's a great guy. Yeah. So I've, I met him a couple of times on zoom and over like meditation yeah. um, sessions, <laughs> but before that I read his book and I'm getting more in faith crisis. Yeah. And that really opened my mind to, to thinking about um, the, the non dichotomy of spirituality. Like it's, it's not that I have to be this way or this way. It's like, we're figuring things out. And I was able to kind of step back and be okay with the fact that I don't understand the things about what I'm going through. Right. And, and then I had a really influential friend. So I'd met this girl in college who we were in the same ward, we went to church together. And I didn't know her that well, but in, in college, I was always just really impressed by how well she seemed to know just who she was, just herself. And we had a couple of conversations. I knew that she was into yoga and um, some of the more like Eastern philosophy stuff. And so I just reached out to her and I was sort of like, hey, uh, whatever you're smoking, I want some. <laughs> you know? uh, right. What do you think about? Like, what what do you believe about, about these things? And how do you how do you think? And she recommended this book um, that I read, and then it led me to a couple other books. Eventually, um, to a book called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Oh, yeah, and, great book. Yeah, uh, I'm so glad you're familiar with it. That's awesome. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, I've read it twice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad. And, and the main point of, of, of the book and what resonated with me so much is that you are not what you experience or even what you think. You're so much d- deeper than that. And, and the proof of that is that you can separate yourself. And I remember this moment when I'm, I'm reading this and like it's sort of intellectually making sense. And then it was like, boom, I experienced it. And I just started to laugh. And really? I, I just had this moment of like, holy cow, I'm, I'm not these things. Like all this suffering that, that I'm going through from thinking about why is this happening to me? And like, my life is so hard. And um, it's, it was just like, that's not me. Right. I am, I am untouched by the fact that I'm in a wheelchair. You know, my body is, is handicapped or, or that I, you know, I emotionally struggle to come to terms with, with like the spiritual things 
that I'm unsure about. Like that has nothing to do with actually who I am. Who I am is this deep sense of consciousness and consciousness sounds like new agey. I'm not trying to be new agey, but just that who, who I am on the deepest level has nothing to do with what happens to me or what, what my mind is doing to me at any point in time. Right. And that was just this incredible epiphany that <laughs> it was, it was like a taste, right? It, it, it's like seeing, seeing the sunlight through, through a crack. And it was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know there was light up there. I, I thought it was just a dark ceiling. And then it's like, Oh man, yeah. there's this whole world. And, and, and then your ego like comes back in and tries to seal up the hole. Right. And it's like, <laughs> no, wait, there's, there's still sunlight there. And so that was an incredible moment. And what I've, try to do since then is just search for how to keep more of that light in in my life. And just knowing that the light is there has been so impactful. And I, I want to help everybody who doesn't see that light for whatever reason, they think that there's no purpose to life because they feel like their life is so difficult or um, things have happened to them. I just want to help them not suffer more than they have to. Yeah. And that's really yeah, what I'm trying to do. No, that's awesome. You know, thanks for sharing that. Very well said. Is that the moment too, when you started, you know, instead of waking up going, okay, today, I don't think I'm going to kill myself to, Hey, now I'm starting to see, I I'm, you know, I guess the opposite would be, I'm glad I'm alive today. Is that, did you started noticing that kind of shift in mindset and attitude as well? Yeah. So it allowed me to move in that direction, let's say. Okay. Right? So it, it was no longer, why am I not going to kill myself? It was like, Hey, today's today I'm alive because, because I am and I'm here and that's great. And, and then it allowed me to, to move toward um, today's going to be amazing because I'm, I'm excited about like, there's so much opportunity today. And so it opened that door. Right. Wow. So what, so what do you do? You know, here we are today and we're, 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 we're listening to your story. I know that you shared a, a, a message on a video on Facebook. You wanted to reach over a hundred thousand people. You raised a bunch of money for it as well. And it's still, still going strong. What, what do you do on a daily basis, AJ, to kind of keep you having these same experiences, knowing why you're here? Cause again, it sounds like you've found your purpose through this, like your real purpose. So how, how is, what does your day look like and how do you kind of keep yourself moving in that direction? So I try to focus on positive action. So in, in, and um, I'm working with a life coach now, actually I hired a life coach, uh, Brandon Sulcer. Maybe you've heard of him. He's yeah. In, uh-huh. Um. We talk a lot about positive actions. So I like to wake up early. I wake up at four in the morning, actually. Hey, so why? Awesome. Right on, man. I wake up at four and it takes me a while to get ready. It takes me about 45 minutes to get ready in the morning just because getting out of bed is hard and stuff. And I live independently. And so things just take time. And so, and then uh, after I get ready, I spend 10 to 20 minutes meditating. Okay. and, uh, And doing a vision sort of work as well. And, and then I spend 30 minutes to 60 minutes exercising. And that's big for me. I really 
enjoy the feeling of getting moving and oh. uh, it feels like progress, you know, before the sun's even up, which is nice. Yeah. Then, um, then I spend another 30 to 60 minutes reading and we'll eat breakfast and, um, and then I work. Right on. So that's kind of my morning. And then in, in the evening, the evenings are usually taken up by like, medical stuff I have to do for being paralyzed. Uh, either that or um, I work a lot. So I try not to work too much, but I'm usually working until I go to bed. So wow. the mornings are really when I have my routine. Yeah, I'll tell you, there's something about, so it's interesting. Um, it's That's one of the things I teach my clients as well as this, you know, winning the first hour of the day, so to speak. And I had a mentor years ago when I was overcoming my difficult situation. Um, he told me I need to get up and work on myself a little bit, you know, like, and so I, I get up at 4am do the same thing. I call it my hour of power. And I, I, I do the similar things that you're doing and, you know, a few different things, but the end result is, you know, basically, you know, kind of winning the day and getting ready to go and be able to, to do those kind of things. And so it's really cool to hear you say that that's something that you do um, to kind of help get you going. And how yeah. so have you noticed that that really does make a big difference in, in how, you know, you tackle the day? Totally does. Yeah. I mean, it's the difference between waking up at seven, you know, seven twenty or whatever, and then, and then throwing my clothes on and like <laughs> popping something in the microwave and then starting work versus waking up at four and then having three and a half hours under my belt of yeah. self-improvement or you know, before I start work is huge. Then like, it doesn't mean that I also do more stuff during the day. Right. So like, sure. yeah. um, uh, because that ego will try to just patch up the light again, like throughout, yeah. throughout the whole day. Like I have a job where um, there's a lot of uncertainty in, uh, in what we have to do just day to day for clients is like, all right, is this going to work? Is it not? And like, that can be really stressful for my ego still, because it tries to identify with what my clients are going to think of me or right. what, or, you know, in, 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 in the personal life, what are girls I'm dating going to think of me or what are like, you know, my neighbors thinking of me, if I reach out to them or these things where it's, it's a constant battle of reminding myself that I'm more than that. And um, so I, uh, I will read I've built out a life purpose with my life coach. And so okay. I'll read that during the day yeah. um, and take breaks to just look up outside, look at this, look at the sky, take in nature, find beauty around me. Um, I just read Augmandino is the greatest salesman in the world. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I'm reading the first scroll every day. If uh, Are you familiar with that book? I've, you know, I've heard of it. I haven't read it, but I've heard about okay. it. Is, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a book where there's this guy, there's a salesman who's passed down this wisdom to this other salesman. And it's in the form of 12 scrolls. And the, the idea of the book is that you read one scroll three times a day for a month, and then you move on and do that for a year. And so the first scroll is, um, I greet this day with love in my heart. And it's this thing you, you read. And so I'll read sort of this mantra a few times a day. Point being like, it's a constant struggle, right? The ego keeps tr trying to put me back into this mode of defining myself by what's happening to me 
uh, what I've done or what I may not be in the future or whatever. And during the day, it's just um, fighting that back and remembering that I'm more than that. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. You know, another thing I've learned about you that, you know, growing up, you, you used to have a stutter. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I feel like I still have a stutter. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you, you haven't stuttered once today. <laughs> you don't think so? All no, right. Not there at all. Go. Well, you know, and I'm sure that that was a challenging thing. How did you handle that? And how did that maybe help you grow as well? You know, kind of learning to deal with that. Yeah, man. Well, um, <laughs> man, the stutter, uh, honestly. So I've, I really feel like I still struggle with it. I'm, I'm always surprised when people say, man, I didn't even notice. I'm like, man, I notice every day. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a kid, it, it made me afraid to do things like read out loud in class or, um, right. You know, talk to new people. I felt like they were going to, and I, I did get made fun of it sometimes. So it, it's not like these fears that were unfounded, right. What may happen, but I, I think that was my first sort of identification with something about me that isn't actually me. Yeah, and and so it's something that I still sort of think about when I'm introducing myself to somebody, or if I'm giving like a public sort of speech or something. Um, but it's been, let's see. I mean, I don't really work on it that much anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I went to speech therapy as a kid. Okay. They gave me some techniques. Uh, I bought a course a few years ago on Udemy to like try to, I don't know, push it back a little bit more. But at, at the end of the day, I, I just feel like it doesn't actually affect my life as much as like my ego thinks that it does. And so um, it's just been a, one more thing to remember that's not me. Yeah. Well, and then what do you think of this statement? And I know, cause I stole this from you. Um, hard stuff has a purpose. So with all these things you've been through, you know, the accident, being paralyzed, overcoming a stutter, I mean, just all, you know, just everyday life in general that can be difficult and challenging. How, how has this all overall helped you as an individual um, and, and being a light in this world today? Yeah. So it, it's helped me because it's, it's been the catalyst to finding out who I really am. And I, I think that when I think about my life without being paralyzed, I just think, how would I have ever figured this stuff out? Like, yeah. it's, it's hard to think. I think that there is a, there's a lot of unnecessary suffering that we go through because we are identified with things that aren't us. But at some point, I think that there needs to be some suffering that pulls us out of our just sleepiness yeah. and makes us think, you know, what, what's the point. And um, so I'm grateful that I'm paralyzed. I don't think that wow. I don't look at it as um, I mean, yeah, it, it makes like day to day life hard, but that's just, it's just uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I have had this experience if I could be healed tomorrow, I would take the pill, <laughs> but <Yeah>. I'm super <laughs> grateful. Yeah. I, I'm not like, I, I just, I found so much 
peace and happiness as a result of what paralysis has made me just think about yeah. that. Um, I, that, yeah, I, I'm grateful for it. And that's what I think suffering in general allows us to do. It allows us to step back and take a mental checkup of, um, you know, what am I, what am I, what am I identified with? What am I thinking about? How am I talking to myself about this story? What can I, how can I contribute? Like, yeah. it, it's just such an, it just gives us an opportunity to realign and, or to align for the first time, like it was for me as I was reading that book and had just this amazing epiphany. And um, it gives us a chance to bring light back in, I think. Yeah. No, that's awesome. You know, as I'm listening to your story, AJ, and, you know, your life, I, I was connecting some dots in my own mind. And, and tell me what you think of this. You know, you know, you were a piano player growing up, which it requires a lot of discipline. I mean, there was days that you said you would be like crying, complaining to your mom that you had to play, and but you stuck it out. And you got to the point where you're competing, which by the way, you know, it's just a lot of discipline and things like that. And, you know, I think when I see what you're doing now, and, you know, overcoming these obstacles and these challenges. I mean, to hear you say you felt at peace when you were paralyzed and like, hey, I'm going to do this. I almost feel like what you did with practicing piano had prepared you for all of this. I mean, because the mindset you were in, even though, yes, you, have, you struggled, which, I mean, anyone would understand that. But I don't know. I mean, I'm connecting those dots, at least in my own mind. Like if, if it wouldn't have been through that discipline that you learned what, what it looks like to work hard, you know, what do you think of that? I think, that, I think there's no doubt. Um, I think that I, so it, it's interesting that, that you mentioned discipline specifically, because I've always been good at physical discipline. So mm -hmm. putting, putting things physical things to the side in order to achieve something else that I want physically. Right. Um, but, but emotional discipline is a new thing for me where, yeah. um, because I, I've always been good at achieving things, but I've never really felt it. And so it was, it was like this, like in college, I was pursuing this really rigorous, um, career in investment banking. And, and so I would spend a lot of time outside of class studying for interviews and trying to do e even better in class than I may have if I wasn't pursuing this because I knew it was such a competitive field and all these things. And um, it's not like I enjoyed it. I didn't, <laughs> but it, it, it was like, I'm going to do this right. because I know that I, I have to, if I want this thing. And point being like, I mean, I think I averaged like five hours of sleep in college and like, <laughs> I, I just, I yeah. sort of like trashed my body to, to get this done. And like, for some people that's great, but um, I'm learning now that the, the discipline that brings peace is actually controlling my mind. And, wow. and so realizing that the thoughts that pop into my mind sometimes that are negative, that are, self-defeating that are just they're untrue on a base level because they don't they're not actually who i am um 
being able to push those aside when they feel so real, they feel so real, man. Like yeah. you're just sitting there laying in bed and it's like, Oh, and it just, it feels like, but I'm not happy right now. Like, how can I be happy? I'm just not. Or like, they, yeah. they just feel like the story is so real, but being able to push those aside and focus on the, who, who you truly are. Um, that's a discipline that I'm learning now. Yeah. And I think you're right. Learning that putting aside going to my buddy's house um, as a high schooler to practice piano for, for the competition, I think is exactly the same skill applied to a mental situation um, right. that I'm learning now. So I think you're right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so talk a little bit about this um, video you did on, on Facebook and why you why you did this and what your goal was with it. Yeah. So this year has, is six years since I got injured. And I normally on my on the anniversary of my injury. So August 27th of every year, I try to do something like a little cheeky and like funny to commemorate it in a way that will make other people maybe, I don't know, laugh or, or you know, make light of, of a serious issue, you know? Right. So like, like I would buy a cake for my wheelchair or like have a, I, I usually framed it as a birthday party for my wheelchair. It's usually <laughs> how I would do it. And, um, and it was cool. Like people would come, it, it's fun. And like, <laughs> I, I'd like post something funny about it, you know, but I didn't actually really feel it until this year. Hmm. And this year, my, my anniversary was just a few weeks after this big epiphany that I had. And so my life was changed pretty radically in a pretty short span. And um, I was like, I, I want to share this for my sixth year anniversary uh, in a way that is more meaningful than I have in the past. And um, so, you know, we've talked about this, but the, the, the Mormon message that's about you really inspired me in a way that I was like, man, if I could tell my story like that, oh, wow. and, and I, I didn't know that that was about you when we first got in touch. So that's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, small world. <laughs> so I found a videographer who, said he'd be willing to um, to donate the time to make the video if I could uh, rent the equipment. And so right. I, I put up some money to, to rent the equipment. And, um, and I was like, you know, I'm sure that this would get a lot of attention just from me posting and asking my friends to share and stuff. But, but I'm a media buyer by, by trade. And so I spend my time spending my clients' money on Facebook. And I was like, what if I could get what if I could get like $400 to back a campaign on Facebook, pushing this out to people, um, you know, inorganically. Right. right. Now, and on Facebook for about every 10 bucks you spend, it, it depends, but 10 to 15 bucks, you can get in front of a thousand people. And so I was like, if we could get $300 or $400, um, you know, th that would be what 30,000 people, 40,000 people, maybe uh, just like that. And like, that would be awesome. And I'm sure they would share it. And like, there are ways you can structure the campaigns to, to make it, give it some like virality essentially. Yeah. And I was like, how cool to put some effort behind, um, you know, use my professional skills to make a positive impact in this way. And, and, and then I was like, all right, where am I going to get that money? Um, 
I started getting like an imposter syndrome, honestly, where I'm like, <laughs> why would somebody else contribute to this? Right. Like this should, should just be my thing. Like they have rent to pay and like groceries to buy. Like why would, why would anybody else contribute? But I was talking it over with a buddy and he was like, just, just like make a GoFundMe, just try it. Like what's the worst thing that happens? And I was like, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. So I set up the GoFundMe. I, I think I set the goal at like $600. And uh, like a few hours after I launched it and just like posted on, about it on Instagram, um, I remember I was, I was driving. I, I was sitting in a Taco Bell parking lot. Okay. And uh, my, my mom texted me and said, hey, the GoFundMe is doing awesome. And I was like, yeah, it looks like it's got like, like 200 bucks in it. And she's like, yeah, it's got a little bit more since then and i was like what and so i looked at it and it was at like almost a thousand dollars wow and i was like i i broke down in the parking lot i, I just started crying because i just felt so yeah. just supported it's like holy cow people don't even know i haven't even made the video like and uh people believe that what i have to say is important enough for them to give yeah. such a i mean money is it can be can be anything it, it can be rent groceries fun times they decided that it was worth that. And um, so, so we made the video and uh, I just wanted to get it out to as many people as possible. And so I think we ended up reaching somewhere in, in the realm of 250,000 people so wow. far. I mean, it's still shareable if anybody wants to share. Yeah, no, we'll, um, we'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll let people know where to find it. So that's and awesome. So that was the idea. And uh, I just was blown away that people were so supportive. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, your story truly is inspiring. I, I, I was late in the game, but, um, I did share your video on my uh, Facebook feed and, uh, I got a ton of really amazing responses and, and I've watched it probably four times and it's truly, you know, inspired me. And so we'll, we'll let people know how to find it. Um, but before we get to that part, I've got, I want to ask you this, if there's someone listening to your story right now, who is struggling who feels hopeless or they're in a dark spot or they're waking up going, I'm wondering if I'm going to end my life today. What, what advice could you give them right now? Yeah. Um, first I would say that it's, I, I understand that what you're going through is extremely difficult and I don't want to minimize that at all because I think embracing how difficult it is, is important. And that being said, um, who, who you are, you know, who, who you are is more than this. So this right. situation you're going through is really difficult and that, you know, but it, it's not who you are. And if you can separate mm -hmm. yourself from, from your experience and look at it from the point of, you know, why shouldn't this be happening? Who, who am I to, why am I better than anybody else to have this not happen to me? Yeah. And who, who am I truly underneath all of this surface level difficulty and um, physical, emotional suffering, I believe that you'll find a peace there. And if you like that. want to talk about it, 
hit me up. <laughs> I, I think that it's such a personal journey. Like I wish that we could make, we could just push people through some kind of like a filter and be like, all right, like now you've, you've suffered enough, like now figure it out. And, um, but I, I think I would mostly just want to be there for those people. And, you know, some of the books that I've mentioned, I, I'd recommend reading them and just holding on for the time yeah. being and just know that you are more than the suffering that you're experiencing. Wow. Very well said, AJ. I appreciate that. Um, I think we definitely are more than what we're going through, who we are, you know, just because we go through something difficult doesn't define us as something's wrong with us or we're a bad person. You know, it's just part of that, you know, refining process, so to speak, you know, you think about everything you've been through and, and I, I know, um, as you go through that, I mean, look what you get to do now. I mean, you're inspiring me. You've inspired hundreds of thousands. You know, I, I, we just hit over a hundred thousand downloads with our podcast here. Uh, it's going to go out to a lot of people again. And so we're going to keep, you know, spreading that good news. So, you know, you, you truly are an amazing man. And I'm so grateful that I've had this opportunity to sit down with you and, and talk with you and, and be inspired by your words today. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, I, I love sharing it. And thanks for giving me the chance. Absolutely. So if someone did want to reach out to you, um, ask you a question, learn more about you, find that video that we've been talking about, what, how would they do that? So um, if you want to reach out to me, you can do it on Facebook or, or Instagram. My Instagram is AJ the Hunt, uh, no underscores or anything. <laughs> and my Facebook is just AJ Hunt. Um, feel free to DM me. Um, you can find the video on my my Facebook feed. It sounds like your Facebook feed as well. If you yeah. go back far enough, you can search um, the, the Facebook page that I launched it from. It's called um, "Who You Are Is Worth Living For," and so if you search that and uh the page is still up i don't post anything more on it so it's the one video that's there okay it's there okay. Um, great yeah yeah that's awesome the way. and i we we got to give a good shout out to john knutson for uh he was a friend of mine who i went to high school with and you know you're you're related to him and, and i'm grateful for him for reaching out to me and and opening up this uh, opportunity for both of us to, to get to know each other a little better. So I, I got yeah. a little credit. Thanks John. <laughs> yeah, thanks, John. Yeah. Yeah. Well, AJ, thank you so much. Um, that was amazing. And I'm grateful that uh, you were willing to be vulnerable this morning and uh, to be able to share that with us. And it's going to, it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah. No, thanks again for the chance. And I really hope it does. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go, folks. Another amazing story. Like I said, AJ Hunt, please reach out to him. Please check him out. Check out that video on his feed or my feed if you can't find it there. And uh, please ask him questions and what have you. And, you know, again, if you're waking up feeling hopeless, you know, maybe not wanting to live, hold on, reach out. I'll help you. AJ will help you. We will do the best that we can. And remember, you're not your circumstances. It's not who you are. I love that message, AJ. That was so well said. But thank you so much, everybody. And uh, thank you for tuning in week after week. And until next time. Thanks, AJ. Thanks, Todd.